Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Take your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 6. This is one of three texts that we're going to look at today. Matthew chapter 6. We have about uh, this week and two more weeks left in our uh, family series. And my prayer is that this continues to just challenge and equip you, uh, not only as families, but even more broadly uh, as the family of God in Christ as the church. And uh, today, especially, um, this message has specific application for those of you who are parents or grandparents or who are raising kids or investing in lives, but it has uh, the same amount of significance for the individual who's just saying, I want to grow to be more like Jesus. I want to pursue Jesus. I want to uh, be who he has called me to be. But as we jump into uh, today, I want to ask you a question. If you're a note taker, I want you to write this down. And ultimately, I want to challenge each and every one of you just to think about how you would answer this question. What is your mission in life? What is your life's mission? Now, some of you hear a question like that and you go, well, I've never really put it to words. I've never really stopped and written down or taken a note as to what my life's mission is. And maybe you have, but here's this truth. Whether you recognize it or not, every single one of you is living out and fulfilling a mission in your life. Even if you don't know exactly what that is, what gets you out of bed and drives you to do what you do each and every day is rooted in some sort of mission. So the question may become in that, okay, if I have this mission that I may not be aware of, how do I go about finding out what my life mission really is? And so I'm going to pose another question to you. This is a diagnostic question. That will help you to narrow down the focus and really hone in on what your mission in life really is. What do your priorities reveal about your mission in life? What do your priorities reveal that your actual life mission is? Here's the hard truth, church. The hard truth is that, simply put, we may very well have two different missions that are being lived out in our lives. The spoken mission that we say, this is what I know I should be striving for, and the actual real mission that you're living out right now. Because whether we admit it or not, every one of us is pursuing something. And the way to determine what exactly we are pursuing is to look at what I prioritize right now. 
So today, the main idea of today, if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to wrestle with this truth. And this is from the three scripture passages that we're going to look at today. If we're going to summarize all three of these texts today in one phrase, it's this. Priorities reveal your heart condition, which motivates your primary mission. Priorities reveal your heart condition, which motivates your primary mission. So I want to pause a minute before we read Matthew 6, and I want to pray because this in and of itself, honestly, we could end here and you would be challenged simply from the from the reality that I like to think of myself in a better light than I really am. In other words, it's really easy, church, for us to think of ourselves and go, yeah, this is my life mission. This is what I'm about. I, I'm. My faith is in Jesus. I'm pursuing Christ. I'm fulfilling His call on my life. And yet my priorities and what I devote my time and my resources and my attention to say something very different about what my actual mission is. So let's pause for a minute. And maybe you wrote something down. Maybe you're still wrestling with this. Maybe when I asked that question, something came to mind and you went, oof. Okay, my priorities reveal this is really the mission that I'm on right now. Let's just pause. Let's commit this time to the Lord that he would challenge us, that the spirit would convict us of areas where we need to make some shifts and changes. And then that we would lean into this together as one unit pursuing Christ together. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, even when it is frustratingly convicting God, I'm grateful that you have called us to grow and not simply remain where we're at today. Lord, give us eyes to see the truth of your word. Help us to understand the depth of what you have called us to in Christ today. And then renew us through your strength, through your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Matthew 6. We have right smack in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we've referenced this multiple times as we've looked at Jesus' teaching, as we talked about what did Jesus say, as we studied the Beatitudes, as we looked at uh, Jesus' teachings. And we come back here often. And if you've never read uh, this section of Scripture, this week I challenge you to read Matthew 5 through 7. Um, Just read through that and Get some context to what's going on here. But Jesus is teaching and there's a large group of people listening. And through Matthew 5 through 7, he's really instructing about here's how you should live. Here's how to avoid becoming a spiritual Pharisee where you're doing all that you're doing to be seen by men. And instead live this way. Do these things. And in Matthew 6 verse 19, we see a passage of scripture that is often quoted, but sometimes overly quoted to the point that we don't actually come back to it and challenge ourselves with it. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, it says this, do not, everyone say not, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy And where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, everyone say not, you cannot serve God and money. Now understanding this here, Jesus contextually is really honing in on this idea of earthly possessions, earthly wealth, that which will pass away. And we have this glaring reality right in front of us. If you ever question whether or not this is right in front of us, consider how many of you have had to do the painstaking job of cleaning out a relative's house after they've passed away? How many of you have had to experience that? Okay, And it usually involves a ton of work. And what happens to most of the stuff that was stored away? What happens to it? We throw it away, right? There's some memorabilia, some stuff that means a lot to us that may, we may keep. And what do we do with that? We put it in a box and put it in the garage or the closet, Right? And there's this accumulation of things and stuff. And none of us would rebuke the fact that when we die, none of that goes with us. None of it. Right? And so, what does it say about our mission in life if all of that stuff becomes the singular focus and the priority of our life? Now, here's really in summary, this text in Matthew 6, we could identify this. The priorities of our lives reveals the focus of our hearts. Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Now, this is not speaking about the muscle in your body. This is not talking about wherever your treasure is, that's where your physical heart muscle is going to be. I hope you recognize that. But what it is talking about is the word heart here really is uh, the word for your whole being, the whole internal focus and drive and motivation for who you are and what makes you get up and go each and every day where your treasure is. That's where your heart is going to be as well. Jesus doesn't stop here. He goes on in verse 22 To say the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Specifically speaking, what your eyes fixate on determines the path on which the rest of you will go. And if we have fixated our eyes on something that will pass away, then we should not be surprised when we pass When those things disperse or those things pass away, what happens? We become discouraged. We become deflated. Why? Because my priority was on that. Proverbs 4 puts it another way. It says, let your eyes look directly forward. Your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Now, when I read this text, I can't help but think about uh, what happens if you're driving along on the road and you catch something out of the corner of your eye or you see something that interests you and you start looking at it. And what happens? What do you do? Whoa, OK, we're, we're going that way. 
If you ever question if that's reality, just keep your eye open for a farmer driving along checking his fields. And you'll see this, right? Same is true. I use the agricultural illustration. Before we had all this fancy technology with GPS and auto steer that plant straight corn rows, how did you plant a straight corn row? Well, you picked a fence post on the other side of the field and you focused your eyes on that and you set off across the field and you didn't watch anything else. You focused on that post and you would go straight to where your eyes were fixed. I'm one of those weird people who really likes to mow and I like straight lines in my yard. If you ever go past my yard, you'll see it in various straight lines, whether it be diagonal or straight. And one of my goals every time I mow is to like see just how perfectly straight I can get the lines. How do I do that? Well, I pick a spot, whether it's a bush or a tree on the other side, and I focus on that and I go. Okay. the same principle applies to your spiritual life and who you are as What are your priorities? Where my eyes are fixed, that's the direction I'm going to go. Hebrews 12 reminds us that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You fix your eyes on Jesus and you keep looking at Jesus. And no matter what's going on around you, you look to Jesus. You're going to, by nature, become more and more like Jesus. But if you say... I know my my focus, my calling is to fix my eyes on Christ. And then you start fixing your eyes on possessions and you fix your eyes on career and you fix your eyes on education and you fix your eyes on media and you fix your eyes on people and all this other stuff. Then don't be surprised when you go a direction and you find yourself sitting in a place going, I'm not where I thought I would be in Christ. I'm not where I was called to be. Why? Because I've taken my gaze off of where it was supposed to be. I've removed my eyes from where they should be. Where my treasure is there, my heart is also. The priorities of my life reveal the condition of my heart. I'll be honest, church. There is an alarming amount of misplaced priorities when it comes to those who claim the name of Jesus. So many people who will come and say, my marriage is falling apart. I don't know what's happened. And yet, if you were to look at how that person spends their spare time, they go to work and they come home and they turn on the TV and they distract themselves, and they've never actually investing in that relationship. Why are we surprised then? I prayed, I prayed that God would restore my marriage. And yet you expect God to work in a way that you are unwilling to move. The same comes down to the truth that How many times do I I make time for all this extra stuff for my kids and my family? And I, I prioritize these things. But you know what? For some reason, we can never find time to sit down and open the Bible together. Why are my kids walking away from the Lord? Why? Why can't we seem to have a central focus on Jesus in our home? Because that's not really your mission. That's that's not really what your priorities reveal your mission to be. Your mission is to make everyone happy or your mission is to accomplish the interests of everyone in the home or your mission becomes whatever you devote the most time, energy and resources to. Where your 
treasure is reveals where your heart really is. What do your priorities reveal about what your true mission is right now, church? Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And here Jesus encounters a rich or uh, encounters a, a brother who is really uh, he's he's really frustrated because his. Uh, his family member won't just divide the inheritance with him. Proverbs or Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And Jesus tells a parable in response to this. So in verse 13 of Luke 12, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Some of you need to read that again. One's life does not, everyone say not, it does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Verse 16. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul. This conversation is hilarious to me. He's talking to himself. He says, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So in summary, what is Jesus saying here? Where we find the most consistent security reveals the object of our faith. Here in this parable, he talks about this man who has ample land and it's produced an abundant crop. And so the problem he is facing is, I have more crops than I know what to do with. I don't have anywhere to store them. So I'm going to tear down barns, I'm going to build bigger barns, and I'm going to store it in, and then I'm just going to kick back and relax because I've got more than I need. I don't have I don't have a need to do anymore. I'm going to sit back, relax and be merry. And what does Jesus say? You fool. None of what you have stored up for yourselves on earth counts for anything in eternity. None of that stuff that you've placed your faith and security in here gets you anywhere in heaven. In the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how much we've accumulated. It doesn't matter what the number in our bank account is. It doesn't matter what level of education you've received. It doesn't matter what kind of house you live in or what status you've achieved in broader culture. Because none of that is worth anything in the kingdom of God. In fact, this was one of the biggest problems that we saw within the Pharisees. Here were these guys who were the the elite, top of the top in their class. They were the religious guys 
man, if you wanted to be like anyone, you wanted to be a Pharisee. They had lots of stuff. They had the law figured out. They they enforced all the rules. And who are the people that we see Jesus most often speaking out against? The Pharisees. Church, do you realize that the Pharisees were convinced that they were okay because they had religious practice down? Church, you coming here and sitting in these pews and hearing me talk at you is not enough for you to enter eternity and be with God. You can come week after week. You can be involved in Sunday school. You can serve every single week. You can do, 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 do. And yet, what does Scripture say? You are saved by grace through faith. It's not of works. It's not anything you can do. It's a gift from God in Christ Jesus. If your priorities are so focused on doing and putting on this face like, well, everyone sees that I've come to church. Everyone sees that I put my money in the offering plate. Everyone sees that I'm going to pray before men. Then your priority and your mission is about glorifying yourself more than it is about glorifying God. Where we find the most consistent security reveals the object of our faith. I have to tell you, when I thought I had a pretty good grasp on this until my oldest daughter was in the hospital. And then I realized just how much control I wanted to have over that situation. And I realized that my faith was very misplaced. Because then what made me more and more frustrated was that the doctors didn't have any answers. What do you mean you don't have any answers? This is my child. You're supposed to have the solution. And then I step back and I'm like, what am I saying? In this moment, my faith is entirely more in those medical professionals, which I appreciate. And they have great wisdom and knowledge. And I'm so thankful we live in a country where we have access to those things. Don't misinterpret me in saying that you should somehow just not go to the doctor. Okay? This is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is in that moment, even when doctors didn't have an answer, my faith should have remained unmoved if it was truly in God himself. And because I saw in myself an anxiety and a frustration and I couldn't get past this, I realized in that moment my faith was not where it should be. My priorities and my focus revealed that my faith was in something of this world. And it was convicting. Where we find the most consistent security reveals the object of our faith. Where do you find that? Is it in your job? Is it in your finances? It is, is it in your ability to move with your body? And actually do? According to the parable Christ taught, no matter how much you store up and accomplish for yourselves here, when your day comes and you stand before God, none of that's going to matter. What will matter is what God in Christ has called us to and said, this is to be your mission, your priority, your focus. Lastly, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And here we shift from uh, the teachings of Jesus himself 
to the teachings uh, or the letters of the Apostle Paul written to the church. First <clears throat> Corinthians nine. Starting at verse twenty four. Paul says this, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Summary statement for this passage. The reward we receive reveals the race we ran. The reward that we receive reveals the race we ran. Paul's teaching here hones in on something that was a huge part of biblical culture where they would compete in athletics. That's not a new thing. But what he identifies here is the athlete exercises self-control and disciplines themselves to achieve the reward, which is a perishable trophy. It's a perishable wreath. And there's a contrast in here for the follower of Jesus. They pursue a perishable, we an imperishable. Here's the hard truth, church. We can run a disciplined race for the wrong things. We can exercise self-control and discipline ourselves and be doing it for the wrong things. What do I mean by that? Where does this, the rubber meet the road with this? Parents, if you prioritize the pursuit of sports and extracurricular activities above the pursuit of Christ, the only reward you will receive is the trophies or accolades your kids receive along the way. There is no lasting, eternal merit in these things. Now, I am not saying, and do not misquote me, in saying, Pastor Matt said nobody should play sports. That's not what I said. I love sports. I love athletics. I played sports as a kid. What I am saying is, what do my priorities reveal my mission is? And I'm telling you, there are people who refuse to come to church or get involved in community, or read their Bibles, or pray with their kids because they're so busy doing other things. And if that is you, God's call on you according to His Word is to cut that out. Put it bluntly. Now, there's this really cool opportunity that we have. When we do say, hey, we're going to be involved in sports. My girls are involved in t-ball and coach pitch, which I just got to say, it's been so long since I've seen this. T-ball is hilarious. I love watching kids play t-ball. It's so much fun. 
Because there's not the competition yet. We're just having fun. It's so much fun. But you know what's really cool? Is on my youngest team, there are multiple families from our church body that were on the same team. But guess what else there is? There's all these other kids and families that are part of our community that aren't a part of our church body. And so, what are we making our priority about in that? It's not about my girls becoming the next best ball players. I really don't care whether they're good at it or not. They're having fun, and that's great. But every time they step onto the field, and every time we go, we go with the intent of, hey, let's connect with some people. Because our primary mission is to be gospel carriers. But I have to step back and realize that there's sometimes I'll leave a game and I didn't talk with a single person outside of my family or the people in my church community. What did that reveal about my priorities in that moment? My priorities were not what I said my mission was. Okay? This is a constant battle and fight that we have to, that we have to go about. But parents... Goodness sakes, if you are prioritizing those things and the success of your kids in extra activities and sports, over prioritizing the discipleship of your children, opening the Bible, praying together, teaching your kids how to pray, how to talk to others about Jesus, how to serve, how to love, how to give, all of these things we see in the text. Don't be surprised when the only rewards your kids strive for are those of earthly merit. Because that's what you've trained in them. Working friend, working brother or sister in Christ who is listening to this today. If you prioritize career recognition, promotion and achievement over the pursuit of Christ. Don't be that the only reward you will receive is whatever raise or promotion or plaque that you hang in your office to say, look at what I did. Students, those of you who are in school and in educational circles, if you prioritize a level of earthly knowledge or educational accomplishment over the pursuit of Christ, the only reward you will receive is a diploma you hang on your wall that will pass away when you do. Again, none of those things intrinsically are bad. But if they become my sole pursuit in life, the only reward I will receive is that which is of earthly, perishable merit. Jesus encountered this earlier in Matthew whenever he says, don't pray like the Pharisees do. They stand on the street corners for others to be to see them. Look at me, look at me. And what does Jesus say about those people? He says they have received their reward in full. The only reward they're going to receive is what they get from earthly recognition. So how do we apply this? I'm going to give you three things as we close here. And there are three questions that you can ask. And I would challenge you, talk about these questions with your spouse and maybe even your kids. Some of you have kids that are old enough. Bring them into this discussion and ask these questions at the dinner table. Okay, sit down together. Make sure everyone puts away their phones. That should be a rule in everyone's house. Okay, that's not a it's not a Bible thing. That's a that's a Spangler home thing. Okay, 
I'll just be honest with you. We sit down at the table. There's no, no phones allowed. Sometimes my wife and I have to remind each other. One of us will sit there and be texting someone and they just kind of stare at him. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but ask these questions. Number one, is your life mission, and you can ask this in the plural, this should be, is our life mission in line with God's mission? And if you say, I don't know what God's mission for me is, start by reading the book of Matthew. Family devotion time. Start reading and ask the question, what is God's mission for us? What has he called us to? If you want a shorter book, start in Philippians. Four chapters. Read Philippians. Open the Bible with your kids. Open the Bible with your spouse. Open the Bible, period. Shut the TV off. Is our life mission in line with God's mission? Secondly, is your faith, is our faith truly rooted in what Christ has done for us? Is my faith really in what Jesus has already accomplished? And maybe you ask the question, what does it look like? You ask your kids, what do you think it looks like for us to have a faith that models what we believe Jesus did for us? Jesus really died and you really rose again. How should that impact our faith? Is that lived out in our home? Thirdly, if God, this one gets me. If God were to ask us tomorrow, how we invested today, would it matter? Some of you are going to leave here today and you're going to forget every single thing I said. Some of you are going to leave here today and you're not going to pick your Bible up again until next Sunday. Some of you are going to leave here today and you're going to go home, you're going to turn on the TV and you're going to just spend the rest of the day. I want to challenge you to invest today as if you're going to stand before God and give an account tomorrow. If God were to ask you tomorrow how you invested today, would it matter? Church, our priorities reveal our heart condition which motivates our primary mission. May we be a people who truly pursues what God has called us to as the church in our homes, in our individual lives, and corporately as his people. Amen.